a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're now 52 days away from the midterm elections, and while it's pretty clear what Democrats will do if they keep control of the House and the Senate, it's not so clear what Republicans would do if they win. But by failing to plan, are they planning to fail? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, the Democrats are seeing some momentum, a little win behind their sails uh, after August. They had some nice legislative wins, some things for the president to tout. Uh, even Chuck Schumer was uh, looking at things in just a little different light than he had not many weeks before. And as you look at all of this, um, much of the debate has been an internal debate uh, amongst Republicans. I think everyone recognizes that the Democrats will continue on President Biden's agenda if they maintain control of the House and the Senate. The Senate seems to be where the real game is. I think the odds of Democrats holding on uh, to the House are uh, a little less than 50-50, maybe 60-40 in favor of the Republicans taking the House. Even, uh, again, Chuck Schumer believes that's probably where it is. Uh, On the Senate side, it's uh, 50-50 to (laughs) 60-40, depending on who you ask. Uh, whether or not the Democrats will be able to keep that majority in the Senate. That will be the real crucial play. So as that has all been playing out, Republicans, uh, of course, wanting to win control of both chambers uh, and uh, any chance they can do the Senate. And that's led to a very interesting internal battle. And I think it's an internal battle uh, that is worth walking through because I think it tells us much about our politics on both the left and the right. And there are things that we need to learn as voters as a result. So the internal battle amongst Republicans has been whether this election should be solely a referendum on President Biden and his policies and where the country is, inflation, immigration, those kinds of things, or whether the Republicans should put forward not just what they're against, but a vision, a plan, a strategy, a set of policies of what they are for. And that is an interesting debate politically. Uh, I think from a leadership standpoint, there's no question. Real leaders don't just run on what they're against. Real leaders run on what they're for, and they give voters a choice. In the Senate, this has been a debate. You have the minority leader, Chuck Schumer, or excuse me, not Chuck Schumer. (laughs) Chuck Schumer is the majority leader now. Uh, Mitch McConnell, who has always played politics and who just believes, stay out of the way, say as little as possible about what you would do, and focus on the problems that are going on in the country, what you're against, which would be Joe Biden and the Democrats. The person who is the head of the Republican Senate uh, committee, Senator Rick Scott from Florida, has a very different vision and view. He believes that Republicans need to have an agenda if they're going to take back the majority. 
He called it the 11-point plan to save America. Here's how he laid it out. It's a plan. It, it's things that, you know, we're, we're going to get God back in our, in our lives. We're going to make sure our children say the Pledge of Allegiance, um, salute the flag, learn that this is the greatest country ever. We're going to get racial politics out of, out of this. Government shouldn't be asking your skin color. Um, that's not, you know, we're supposed to be colorblind, and we should be colorblind. So it's, it's basic things like that. Balance the budget. Watch how we spend our money. Uh, so it's, it's basic common sense things. And so I think we ought to have a positive agenda. Uh, we're going to win this November. And when we do, I want to have a plan. I want to say, hey, these are, these are the things we're going to get done. Senator Scott went on to say that people all over America have expressed their gratitude to him for actually saying, hey, we do have a vision and we do have a plan. I've been traveling all over Florida. They're very appreciative that I put out a plan. People from all over the country are calling me. They say, thank God you have a plan. I mean, we need to turn this country around. Now, the minority leader, Mitch McConnell, when he was asked earlier this year what he thought of Senator Rick Scott's plan, here is the way that he pessimistically laid it out. If we're fortunate enough to have the majority next year, I'll be the majority leader. I'll decide in consultation with my members what to put on the floor. And let me tell you what would not be a part of our agenda. We will not have as part of our agenda a bill that raises taxes on half the American people and sunsets Social Security and Medicare within five years. That will not be part of a Republican Senate majority agenda. We will focus instead on what the American people are concerned about. Inflation, energy, defense, the border, and crime. So as Senator McConnell laid that out, again, it's uh, kind of the anti, anti-vision vision, and that is that we'll stand pat, run on what we're against, and then when, if we win, then we'll decide what we're for, and we'll put that on the floor of the United States Senate. That may, that may be a winning political strategy, and it may make Mitch McConnell the majority leader once again. It might. But just because he wins that doesn't mean they are leading the country, uh, not by a long shot. Uh, it is something that I have gone back and forth with political consultants and experts and candidates over and over and over again. That, yes, you can win being against things, but you can't lead. There's a big difference. So fine, if you want power, if you want a position, if you want your name on the door, you can do that. And you just might win. The test for all of us as voters is to say we've had enough of that because that is where all the division comes. That's where the angry rhetoric begins. Why? Because you're just shouting about what you're against. You're not having a debate or making a case for a vision, some policies, some principles that you're actually for. Uh, There's a powerful piece in National Review today by my friend Yuval Levin. And uh, Yuval makes the point, and I concur, that if you want the Republicans to win, they actually do need an agenda uh, because that is how you lead and that's how you actually make a difference and how you actually make change. So the political argument is, yep, just, just be against things. And with the mood of the nation, with the state of inflation, gas prices, all of those things, uh, you might just win an election. You very well could. 
But just being passive, just being against, just protesting is really not what our government should be about. That's all politics all the time. That's what got us into the mess we're in. That's what has us $30 trillion in debt. And it overfocuses all the attention on presidential races. Now, I get it. You, you can't totally run things from the other end of Pennsylvania Avenue, just in the House and the Senate. But it's important for us to recognize that there's a, a better way to lead. Uh, one of the things that Yuval Levin uh, said in his piece today, he says it should, the, the Republicans should propose a forthright agenda that puts forward its vision of how some significant public problems might be mitigated. And they should then be prepared to negotiate with legislators who have different but reconcilable approaches to the same problems. Now, that sort of work is, is not for everyone. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who are more worried about retaining their seat in Congress than they are about doing what's right for the country. But that's what the institutions are supposed to do. Because that changes all of our political speech. Because it becomes more about partisan rhetoric if you're just trying to hold on to power versus elevating the conversation and getting to some positive solutions because that's what leadership looks like. And so we have to start looking at, do we just want to keep having this battle? And I guarantee you the battle is going to be pretty much a 50-50 battle in the next election cycles based solely on power. So until we have a political party, Republican, Democrat, or otherwise, who's willing to say, you know what, we're going to really run on ideas and principles and policy and show how that will make a difference for the American people. Because if we can't get to that, there's not a whole lot of places we can actually go. And I would even go one step further uh, in the audio clip we listened to. Uh, Mitch McConnell uh, very matter-of-factly matter said that if the Republicans do win control of the Senate, he will be the majority leader. And he's probably right. But I would also suggest that if they do gain control, it would probably be a 51 or a 52 Republican majority. And so then the number becomes 26. If 26 Republican senators said, Mitch McConnell, we're tired of that kind of always against leadership. And we'd actually like to have a vision that has a positive policy angle and strategy to it. It would only take 26 votes. I think you could get to 20 really fast, and then it would get really interesting. But if we continue to accept the status quo, and as voters, if we continue to accept the status quo, guess what? We get the status quo. So it really is up to us uh, as we look at how this all plays out. I'm one of those who believes any political candidate who is just running against things is not worth voting for. Until they tell you what they're for, you need to vote for somebody else. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. 
Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.